Welcome to Americana One. This is Ken Paulson. Today we celebrate the music and career of Gary Nicholson. After that, I moved back to Texas, and just in order to work, I would play guitar in bands, and and it turned out to be, you know, the most dependable and consistent work was playing country music in the big dance halls around Dallas Fort Worth. If we're all in this together, I'm just kind of willing, you know. I really enjoy, truly enjoy and love the process of writing songs. It's fun for me and I like to do it. One of those early trips, we went to Bali. So I got to know Mark a little bit through that and he was, had gotten fallen into producing Ringo's records and he said let's write something for Ringo and so I started generating this idea about a never without you. Never without you within you without you here comes the song is about you Today we celebrate the music and career of Gary Nicholson a terrific songwriter out of Nashville, and he's worked with people like John Prine and Delbert McClinton, even Ringo Starr as a co-writer. And we'll hear from Gary in a few minutes about his career and his approach to songwriting. But first, I want to note that he has two brand new records. One is called Gary Nicholson, The Great Divide, which is a very thought-provoking record, very smart about the condition of the United States these days. And also Whitey Johnson, an album called More Days Like This. Now, Whitey Johnson is the alter ego of Gary Nicholson, sort of a Clark Kent Superman deal. And I'll leave it to you to decide which is which. But uh, both are, are rich collections of songs. And, and let's begin with uh, hearing a track from The Great Divide. In fact, the title cut from Gary Nicholson. We're all in this together. So I have to ask why If we're all in this together Why, why the great divide That was Gary Nicholson and the great divide from his brand new album by the same name. Next up, let's hear the Whitey Johnson track that opens up, uh, again, the title song, More Days Like This. Oh, no, baby, this is much too much. Don't you think we need some shade? But it only got harder and harder and harder with all the sweet love we made. And that was Whitey Johnson doing more days like this. You perhaps know Whitey Johnson better as Gary Nicholson. And we had a chance to catch up with Gary Nicholson uh, not too long ago. 
on the Sandy Beaches Cruise, which is a cruise put on by Delbert McClinton and his family. And uh, Gary is a regular guest. So we took the opportunity to chat with him about his career and how it unfolded and, uh, and how he approaches songwriting. Here's Gary Nicholson. Well, Gary, you began your, your career, really, in junior high, playing with bands with great names like Valiants and Untouchables. Those were the, those were the good days of, of American rock and roll. What's it your aspiration to be primarily an artist? You couldn't have been thinking 1958, what year? No, no, I was, um, yeah, I, I was never the lead singer in, in any of those bands, really. I would sing a few songs, my voice hadn't changed, so I'd sing the Little Richard stuff that was way up, uh, Long Tall Sally's, you know, that, whatever it was. But I kind of went from that just to be a working musician. Um, I, I had a band in, I don't know if you know all this uh, obscure history, but I had a, a band in, in California in the early 70s. We made a couple records, got our asses kicked, and now went was back with, to Texas. Was that with Jim Ed Norman? Yeah, Jim Ed was in that band, and it was called Uncle Jim's Music, not because of Jim Ed, but our manager's name was Jim Pritchett, and, uh, and he was the uncle of a bass player, and we just called it Uncle Jim's Music. <laughs> uh, but... but at, after that, I moved back to Texas, and just in order to work, I would play guitar in bands, and and it turned out to be, you know, the most dependable and consistent work was playing country music in the big dance halls around Dallas, Fort Worth, and and so I went into sideman mode, and and I was never the guy that sang all the, you know, Ray Price, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, you know, I was the guitar player right, right you know so um the sideman role was was it so i i didn't ever really have a focus of saying i'm gonna be the the guy yeah. the front man so the songwriting it was natural for me to to um to get to nashville and have a career writing songs for other people so at one point you made a commitment to say you know i am going to be a professional songwriter well yeah i mean Really, um, you know, the early songs in my 20s, just songs would just kind of come to me, and it wasn't until I moved to Nashville in 1980 that, that I had a publishing deal because of Jim Ed. He moved my family there. And um, so I realized that, you know, these guys are getting up in the morning, going to work, and writing songs every day for it's a job. And so that's, um, I really focused on that. and. I was so fortunate to be able to collaborate with all these amazing guys, you know, that were there. I, I probably because Jim Ed was my publisher and they were thinking, well, if we write with the guy and Jim Ed's got his publishing, maybe we'll get on a record that Jim Ed's pretty, you know. However it occurred, little did they know that Jim Ed's the most scrupulous guy in the world would never record a song just because he had the publishing in. Wow. And that and your great talent probably led them to want to write with you. Your track record is amazingly consistent. I mean, you've got hits that span decades. Is there, a, and yet you're writing with a lot of different people. Mm. How do you be consistent when you don't have consistent partners? Oh, I don't know, man. It's just, you know, you're just always trying to do the best you can 
with whatever is there, you know? Well, I mean, you just think about Lennon and McCartney staring at each other every day yeah. for years. And then, yeah. But you, you know, there's all comers. You talk to, you know, I'm sure yeah. you write with new people every year. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just kind of willing, you know. I really enjoy, truly enjoy and love the process of writing songs. It's fun for me and I like to do it. It's, I was talking to Red Young, you know, and everybody's just so gaga crazy over I mean Red is just like the most amazing keyboard player any of us have ever witnessed in our lives wow. and he's just he's down there doing that and we I'm just talking to him at the autograph thing and, you know and he says you know the thing is I just love to do this <laughs> you know you love something that much and that's why he's he's so great you know so. well you've um, I've asked songwriters this question about you know, what work you're most proud of it at, as a piece of work not that it's sold the most but the craftsmanship behind it uh, and then inevitably they say oh it's like picking among my children but 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 as somebody who is a professional songwriter of significant accomplishment nominated for the National Songwriters Hall of Fame are there a few pieces of work where you go yep that's exactly what I've been preparing for my whole life Well, you know, the thing is, um, there are some some songs that I I feel like are my best work, and probably the one song that stands out the most to me personally, in that it reflects a lot of other things that I've tried to say in other songs, is The Trouble with the Truth. Yeah. It's just like um, I found my original, I used to write in these ledger books, you know, and they had numbered pages so you could make an index in the back. And and I found myself, uh, I was looking, I found these books in, in the basement and I was looking at, at the lyric of Trouble With The Truth and it's all just kind of written out. Not a lot of things crossed through and, and it's just, I think that song just kind of appeared. It was there, and however those things happen, it's but but I I'm still I love that song, and I feel like it's an example. If if somebody's asked the question like doing one of these talks like we're doing, they said, well, if you if Bob Dylan was in the room and 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 he said, okay, so you say you're a songwriter, well, play me a song. You know, what would you play? And, that would probably be the one, I guess. Not Memphis Chicken. <laughs> yeah, well, you gotta have some fun too, you know. And the trouble with the truth is it's just what I need to hear. Ringing so right deep down inside my. really good choice. You have had the opportunity to uh, write with some of the best and you know the your work with John Prine came exactly at the right time for him and his career. 
he had one big album, a resurgent album, and then he did another one fairly quickly, and and uh, Lost Dogs and This Blessings is, remains one of his best, and you were obviously a major player on that. I heard of you the first time, I heard of myself say, seems like the little woman is getting bigger every day. You've also worked with Guy Clark. And those two guys are dissimilar, but also they just feel like they're at a level above. Mm -hmm. They're the Arson Wells of their craft, yeah, right. you know. And well, yeah, I mean, they um, they both go at it in such a different, completely different way. It's like um, guy hated that people would call him a craftsman. I know. Because he just say, "I'm an artist," you know. But there was something very craftsmanlike about the way Guy would approach things. He he'd write on graph paper very deliberately in in his printed script, and most of the time we're writing in his workroom where he made guitars. And, and there's all his tools all around and and he's got you know the most primitive recording so you know here's this mic stick that up there and that's what we're gonna yeah. do which really didn't make a difference anyway but um, well I've, I've run into that with him I had the actually my, shortly before his death we we did a television show with him and I was careful not to use the craftsman but I've always thought that was a compliment absolutely that was somebody who who in their art took a considered professional approach to it to, to make it as good as possible, to hone it. Absolutely. Um, so you're a guy who has written for the top folks in country. You've accomplished significant um, things, particularly with Delbert, the Grammy wins in blues. And, and then you end up co-writing with the drummer for the world's greatest rock and roll band, the Beatles. There's nothing in your biography, Gary, nothing at all that suggests you should end up writing albums and songs with Ringo Starr. How in the world did that happen? Well, that happened because of a guy named Mark Hudson, who was the Hudson Brothers. Right. I don't know if you're familiar with Mark. I went on a lot of trips where they would take songwriters from America and we would go and collaborate with different cultures and and Mark was involved in um, one of those early trips. We went to Bali and then did a benefit concert in Jakarta and so I got to know Mark a little bit through that and he was had gotten fallen into producing Ringo's records and he said let's write something for Ringo and so I started generating this idea about a Never Without You that was um, the first song we wrote together and Mark 
could sing. He sound just like Ringo. Really? When he sang, he could he could mock Ringo. And anyway, that was the first. And we left line. We wrote the song, but we left lines for Ringo to be able to say something about George, so that he would contribute that way. And your soul will play on without you. And this world won't forget about you. And that's what started. And then uh, an, another song that we wrote that day wound up getting recorded by Ringo as well. But then Mark and Ringo had some kind of falling out. They, they had a misunderstanding. And, and fortunately for me, Ringo chose to keep collaborating. You know, we, we did a collaboration with Gary Wright. Uh, Dreamweaver loves a lot of that guy. He's an old friend of mine, and so we did that once. And then, but most recently, it's just been Ringo and myself writing these more recent. But you songs. finally got to be in the same room to write these. Oh yeah, the, all of them except that very first one. Uh, and I got to play on that record as well. It's the first time I ever met Ringo. I, I played on that that record, Never Without You. Had to be great fun. Just really one last question, which we've spent a lot of time talking about your songwriting skills, and and yet you've also been a very, uh, you've been a prolific producer, and a very capable one, as evidenced by the Grammys. Where did where did you learn to do that, and what approach do you take? I think my production skills just came from producing a million demos. You know, just like you make enough demos and, and you go through enough instances where someone records your song and the demo, they just pretty much copy the demo or, um, but, but not even so much that, it's just that from being in the studio, working with musicians, knowing what works and what doesn't and just the mode in the frame of mind and, and how to talk to musicians and how to not say anything and just, you know, hoping for the happy accidents that are gonna occur when the casting is, I mean, in Nashville to be a record producer, if you got the right phone book and you, caught, you cast the right guys, they're gonna come and, and give everything and these amazing musicians and then it's just if you got a song and a singer then you know I've never been the kind of record producer that's going to dictate every note that gets played or you know tell everything tell everybody what to do all the time and so it's uh, I, I fell into it really in producing Delbert's record the first record I produced for Delbert was a co-production with Emery Gordy. Mm. And uh, Emery got sick in the middle of that, and so it, it kind of fell in my lap to finish the record, but um, I got to watch 
Emory, I got to be around Emory, who's one of the most qualified record producers right. ever. Yeah. You know, yeah. just amazing. And so, I think being around a lot, and also Jim Ed, I watched Jim Ed a lot. You know, and yeah, you know, I think just from being around it, it you know, it's just seeing people do it. Well, uh, I live in Nashville, and uh, I I can tell the audience with great confidence that. Um, you and I would say Vince Gill, maybe Cowboy Jack. There's just a handful of people who are universally liked and respected. Yeah. Uh, you made a lot of friends and you, you made a lot of hits, and uh, that's a pretty good combination. Oh, uh, there's well, we're also fortunate to be in Nashville, to with us, surrounded by this incredible pool of talent. I mean, yeah. everywhere you look, it's like we're talking about the stuff that we're talking about about casting players for a record and it's like you you, know, you got the Crayola box it's just like one line of Crayolas you know you got the basic colors there and in Nashville you've got that big huge thing with every one of the colors and you can say you know we're gonna have this guy or that guy and you know what they're gonna bring yeah you know it's it dates me but I think our peak my peak crayon box is probably 64 I'm sure it's gone much farther than that uh, those of you who are listening, if you see Gary Nicholson coming to town, go see him. If you see an odd man in a white suit named Whitey Johnson, definitely go see him. We're not sure why, but Gary and Whitey have never been seen in the same place at the same time. Gary, a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Our thanks to Gary Nicholson for his uh, conversation today and his uh, his incredible body of work. He. Uh, he is a man who is a great entertainer, uh, but also does some of his own best work uh, sitting by himself. Uh, I assume with a pen and paper, uh, a great songwriter and a uh, great opportunity to talk with him. You have been listening to Americana One. Americana One is a podcast. It is a radio show. And if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do. Available at every possible podcast outlet. This is Ken Paulson thanking you for listening to Americana One.